Welcome to the Rehab Lab. I'm your host, Joe Lemon, and this podcast is sponsored by the Pizer Wave 2, powered by Elevation Medical. Today's special guest is with Dr. Terry Kern. We had a chance to meet up over at the IVAPM. It's a pain management forum that happened earlier this year out of Atlanta. She really provided a good state of the union on how the specialty vet rehab world is really evolving. One of the big takeaways from this conversation for me was how more vet clinics need to view each other as partners and how they can collaborate and work together opposed to viewing each other as competition. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Terry as much as I did recording it. With that being said, let's get into it. Glad to have Dr. Terry on the actual podcast with us. This is something that I think would be a beneficial conversation for people that are newer to the vet med industry. You have some experience in watching this space grow, especially in that whole rehab world. And hearing about some of those thoughts about where it's going and how you've seen it evolve will be a cool conversation for us to have. So welcome on to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So maybe let's start as overall state of the union. What are you seeing in the field? Do you feel like, man, it's growing at a super fast rate? Patients are understanding more about vet rehab medicine? Or you feel like, man, we're still in the early days of people understanding kind of what... So I think the field is growing and it's contracting uh, at the same time. Uh, There's a lot of opportunity, um, but we have uh, worked ourselves to the brink and we're losing good people. So um, it's it's dichotomous and and frustrating and exciting at the same time. Well, that's a lot of feelings at once there, because I I I think it's accurate, though, because you're right, there's. A demand, I feel like, from people, from the owners, right, and the pets, are looking for more of these type of services. But then on the flip side, there is less people to actually provide them. (laughs) So the the most frustrating thing in my practice, which is exclusively rehabilitation and sports medicine, is trying to get people in quickly. My practice has been solo for nine and a half years, and I have an amazing associate who's joined the practice, and she's been with us for six months. But leading up to that, we were booking out four months for an initial evaluation. When they come to rehab, they need services now. Hmm. And only one person, I I do all the initial evaluations and I can't see that many in a day and get the reports out and still, you know, have sanity in my life. I'm curious too, nine and a half years, and there's been a huge surge of amount of practice owners that have been getting acquired by a lot of corporate groups out there. What made you want to stay as a solo practitioner for that time period? There's not much of a market for a rehab exclusive practice. Uh, Specialty practices really don't know what to do with us. And um, the way you look at the metrics for a rehabilitation practice is very different. Uh, There's not different profit centers. There's, you know, what we do is very hands-on. It's very labor intensive. Uh, You have to have an amazing staff and you have to support them well. And that is both financially, but also we have a job that's very, very rewarding. We have the clients present um, and they're involved in their care because if they're not doing anything at home, they either have to see us more and spend more money or we're not gonna be able to make the strides that we want to with those pets. Yeah, we're gonna talk about this a little bit off camera and a little bit about how you not only work with animals, but you also work with the owners as well. Yeah. So. Rehabilitation therapy is, it's an add-on. It's, it's not essential. I feel it's essential. Uh, we would go to physical therapy for uh, an injury, and sometimes you do that in lieu of surgery. It's relatively new in veterinary medicine, and 
Um, it's not just going to a YouTube video and I'm going to do this. Well, you can, but then you're definitely going to become a patient more quickly because you're not going to know what is safe to do, what's going to make things worse. Um, and there's plenty of articles in veterinary medicine saying, do it yourself rehab. And I just kind of cringe because if an animal has a knee injury and has a cruciate tear and they don't want to go to surgery, um, sit to stands are an exercise that's very commonly used. And that is when you don't want to do that exercise. Mm. So involving a rehabilitation professional in the mix is really important, but people don't understand that. And Dr. Google is ever present in, in what I do also, so. Yeah, you haven't heard a lot about Dr. Google these days. I mean, you can find everything, right? So You can. Mm -hmm. um, it, uh, it certainly opens access, but having information doesn't mean you know what to do with that information, so. And this is the part that I think that I know that we see a lot, especially on our, our side of the, of the table with like medical devices, right? A lot of people want the cookbook for like the advisor. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, give me the protocols for this, every body part, I'll put this setting for every person that treat, and we're like, we can give you some guidelines, but it's a it's, it's very individualized. Yeah. Veterinary medicine is an art and a science, and, and it's a blend. And you don't want to cookbook something. Um, you, you want to look at the patient and decide what is best for that patient. And you're going to need to know specifically if you're going to be treating muscles with the PZO wave, you want to evaluate the depth of that muscle. How long is it on that animal? Um, in some cases, you're going to literally be treating an area that is two finger widths wide, so three centimeters. And you're being very, very focused to try and treat like the supraspinatus muscle uh, tendon insertion. Um, other times you want broad uh, regions and you're fanning with the device. And so you have to tailor it to what that patient needs. Um, just aiming it in the right direction is not going to give you the results that you think you're, you should have. Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. I mean, even like uh, the ability to mix in certain exercises uh, mm -hmm. with it. I must like to say our device, and they'll be all thing, right? It, it, it works best and it's a tool within your actual pad. It's best when you use that tool appropriately yeah. for what you're trying to do it. If you're just throwing darts at a dartboard and hoping something sticks, you're not going to have the results that you expect. Yeah. What else is in your actual toolbox besides the piece of wearing um, I'm, I'm certified in acupuncture. I'm certified in veterinary spinal manipulative therapy. Uh, I've gone to courses for myofascial trigger point uh, release. Um, I'm a perpetual student. I'm kind of a continuing education fanatic. Yeah. Um, so well, there's a lot of different things in that toolbox. And in the hands of a rehabilitation practitioner, your hands are the most important tools that you have. You use them to diagnose. You're feeling for the very fine changes in uh, the muscles and how they respond to your touch. So that can tell you specifically where you want to guide your therapy or tell you that you don't want to aggravate this area until you've really addressed it appropriately with pain management techniques. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, the hands, yeah, I mean, that's, doing that assessment, I think, is the biggest part, right? Because mm -hmm. um, do you ever use that Pisolave as a diagnostic tool at all? Or, or, yeah. I have not. Okay. Um, I have used my underwater treadmill as a, as a diagnostic oh, tool yeah. um, because the, the water 
decreases the weight bearing. So you may see some animals walk better in the water if they have a lot of arthritis. Um, But it will also slow the gait down enough that you may enhance or make some of the neurologic patients, their gaits are worse. So you'll be able to assess if they have more difficulty on the left side or the right side. So you can you can use some of those types of things. I haven't necessarily used the PC wave that way yet. Okay. No, that's great. So on the water treadmill, eyes away, acupuncture, your hands of course, right? Mm-hmm. Um, any other tools, like any other technology or are those the two for the most? Oh, I, I have uh, multiple lasers in my practice. I have uh, fantastic technicians that do massage and trigger point uh, techniques on, on the patients. Uh, literally, I have three rehab certified technicians in my practice. They are absolutely fantastic and it gives me the opportunity to literally do the diagnostic evaluation and then float between appointments and see the patients in the space that they're in on that day. And we'll, we'll modify their protocol, their therapy plan based on how they walk in each day. All right, can you tell me a little bit more about how your practice is kind of set up? So you have multiple technicians that kind of specialize over different tools that mm-hmm. devices are there, maybe. So um, I have three technicians who have gone to three different rehabilitation programs. So we have a blend of what's available across the country in the training programs. And they are fantastic. Uh, They deal with sports med patients. Uh, We have athletic conditioning patients where they're not broken, but we're trying to fine tune some of their skills so that they jump better. And we've had a couple of our dock diving dogs add seven feet to their long jumps in their competitions. Uh, One of our patients has uh, won the European Open in small dogs. So we have a very, very wide uh, breadth of patients. We have tons of patients that are arthritis, you know, where it's quality of life care. And so some of them are, you know, not horribly bad off, but rehab really helps improve their quality of life. And then there's a small population that I I adore these patients. There are rehab hospice patients, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, these are dogs that we're not expecting major gains, and sometimes cats also, because there's a lot of cats that can't take, we don't have a lot of drugs available for cats. So they do great with spinal manipulative care and laser therapy and acupuncture. Uh, Cats really like acupuncture in many cases. So those patients, We're trying to have them be able to enjoy their lives at home and do the things that are important for the families. So really it's enhancing the human animal bond. So you can't take that client out of rehab. If you don't don't like client interactions, rehab is not the area you wanna go. Not at all. No, no, I I think that's great. And so I can imagine there's a a really good place for this, a really good position for people that are being into caring for people and their their pets. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a people first type of of career, it seems like there. It's usually animals first, people a close second. Okay, but people have to definitely assist. Yes. Everything else, exercises. Yeah. How compliant are they? Because I I know like on the human side, man, they suck. So (laughs) compliance is is a big issue. Um, We, I think, have better compliance with our clients because they're actively engaged in the process. And 
they'll come in and they'll like blatantly apologize. I had a really busy week. I wasn't able to do many exercises and, and they're apologizing for just being human. Uh, and we do veterinary orthotics and prosthetics. And if the client is not using the device appropriately and invested in that, they're going to be really upset about the financial investment that they made in that product. But they will see the benefits for their pet in using that product. So by having them more involved, anything in veterinary medicine, if you don't have client compliance, and it's a big issue, you're never going to prevent heartworm, preventative, you know, heartworm disease if the preventatives aren't given at home. Right. But I think because they're much more involved and hands-on in rehab, we see better compliance in that field, which actually turns around and makes it more rewarding for us right. because we're seeing the benefits, the clients are seeing the benefits, and the animal is the one benefiting. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think on the human side, uh, it's, it's a huge right? Do no blow mm -hmm. with any of the work that they're given normally? I believe the physical therapy is attendance. And I've been to physical therapy twice myself before I opened my rehab practice. And I did not make time in my life for the exercises that I was supposed to do regularly. So if you have to show up and have to do the exercises at least two to three times a week, mm -hmm. they at least know that you're doing something. Right. And you're going to improve better if you do the home stuff. And it's the same in veterinary medicine for rehabilitation therapy. Got it, okay, that makes a lot of sense then. So, no, and when we think about people that are new to the space, like, hey, I wanna get into vet rehab. I've been in the general practice before. I've done that for a couple of years now. I'm looking at going into this space. Any words of wisdom like, <laughs> that you could possibly pour them? Just kind of so the, the practice of rehab is very hands-on and it's labor intensive. So none of my techs, none of my people in my building, I don't want them picking up animals that are over 30 pounds by themselves. So we help each other out quite a bit. What, what is needed in my practice is the background information for the veterinary technician education. Yeah. But we take it further than what you used it for before, anatomy. My techs are literally checking for tense muscles as the patients come in each visit. Wow. And so they're using the skills that were way, way back in the curriculum, yeah. but really, really important. Uh, we don't draw blood like we used to. We don't actively restrain animals the way they do in general practice. Uh, we use treats and peanut butter. I would exercise more if I had a glass of wine and a brownie in front of me, right? Yeah. But the, the dogs are very engaged and, and usually quite tolerant of the things that we're asking them to do. But my tech's base knowledge of the tech program is irreplaceable. But there isn't a single technician on the face of the earth who hasn't done some rehab that's going to walk in day one in my practice and be useful to me. There's a lot of education that then takes place. So we do the base training and I feel it's very important that they go on to have additional education. And so I make that investment in my team because it helps the practice work better. No, I, I think that's something that um, the best places that I have had a chance to kind of interview and then get lots of good feedback on. Education's up front. Take the forefront for, for the whole, whole clinic, right? Like yeah. Through and through. Well, it, it makes... It's mentally stimulating. And yeah. you come back from a conference and you've learned a couple of jewels yep. and you want to implement that and you're revitalized 
in, in going to a continuing education program. My husband thinks I'm crazy. This is sometimes a vacation to me that I don't have patient care, but I'm learning something. I'm bringing it back. Right. And the next several weeks, there's a lot more mental engagement, and I can start implementing things that are useful for my patients. When we think about the best way to go about Google, I mean, obviously conferences are one, big online push ever since COVID, obviously. Is that, do you kind of rank those kind of similar? I mean, because obviously it's hard to go to every conference. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's expensive yeah. to go to conferences. The online courses uh, and online CE is very, very helpful. You get that you know, mental engagement, but for rehab, you need some hands-on. Yeah. You, know, you, you can't learn to do things with your hands if you're not practicing it. And so the people that are doing rehab well invest in having their team be educated in rehabilitation therapy. There's a lot of additional things that I can show my staff, um, but I also have to run my practice, so I can't be the sole source of education and the sole source of dealing with the patients. So at some point you have to say, this is where I'm gonna invest my time and my money so that my team is really effective. And my team is happy also. Dr. Terry, this is, uh, this is a really good conversation, but I think that people definitely need to invest in the people. So they can, for one, just give them like some uh, insight that will allow them to see a, a bigger part of where the career could, could actually head towards, right? And, and expose them to those different things. So we even know kind of, all right, this is where I'm at now, but there's a path forward here, right? And to the beginning of other things. Um, as we kind of wrap up, I, I'd love to maybe kind of just leave with a couple or, or have you kind of just land a couple of things that might be overall beneficial for the industry to be cautious of as we move forward, right? I've, I've heard some interesting stories about practices being bought out and it's like you have a, a nice position that you've been able to maintain for almost a decade which is very impressive yeah well there's been a lot of breaks in sanity on in that time frame yeah. um you know there's been a lot of of bumps and bruises uh learning how to run a practice uh without having a business background uh there's there's a lot of things i can tell people don't do it this way because i tried it and it and it doesn't work no, it might actually work in somebody else's hands, so you don't necessarily take everything that you hear from somebody else as this is how you have to do something. There's, I call them, I used to call them detours. I like to say that now we pivot because sure. using a pivot is actually an exercise, so it makes a little bit more sense in what I do. So I think I'm gonna go and do this, and yeah, that's not gonna work so well, so now I'm going to pivot and I'm gonna try it a different approach. Uh, the veterinary medicine has so many different things to offer and so many different ways to practice as a veterinarian and as a veterinary technician. But I think we spend too much time trying to be competitors mm -hmm. as opposed to being colleagues. Uh, it's nice to have a collegial relationship with, I have over 400 practices that refer to my practice. And that is, partly because we're rehab exclusive. So I'm never gonna steal their patients. I can't right. do dentistry. I don't want to do any of those types of things. So I just wanna be part of the veterinary team for that client and that patient. And you know, that makes it a little bit easier for my referring veterinarians because there isn't that perceived threat. But we are all colleagues. We all started for the same reasons and that's really, really important to, to remember as you're dealing with other people and 
you know, looking at gratitude within your own life and how can you be gracious in dealing with other people. I can't think of a better way to wrap up. Like that to me is something that hasn't been talked about nearly enough. We struggle with um, the human side of the business where they're competing with the clinic across the street and there's like, we're working towards the same goals, so, all right? Mm -hmm. Which the help of yep. people help. And they may have a different approach right. and you may not agree with that approach. So you do your thing and you focus on what you're doing and everybody is ultimately working towards the same goal. It's not my job to say that they're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, if I see something that they're doing really well and I'm not doing that, I may want to add that to my practice. Mm -hmm. But if I've cut off all relationships with other people, then that's never going to happen either. So I think we just need to be more understanding of the, the experience that each of us is having as we're getting to a common goal. Perfect way to So, all right, Dr. Terry, please tell everybody how to find you. My practice is in Rochester Hills, Michigan. I tell people that I hope you never, ever need our services, but in the event that you might, you know we exist. And so it's Positive Steps Rehabilitation and Sports Medicine. And we have, a, a, I think, a pretty nice website, but our Facebook is uh, a lot of fun. And we, we post pictures of graduates and dogs and cats doing things that you wouldn't think that they'd be willing to do. And so it's, it's kind of a fun place to visit. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you.